When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, this is Alan Clark at the Hollies and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back again to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon Podcast. Pleased, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Podbay, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, so this is episode 47. We are going to be calling this Bands of Individuals. I couldn't think of a snappier title, but this basically explains this concept, and it's actually a pretty elevated concept, uh, if you don't mind me saying. Um, This is something I've always felt, and it's an episode uh, I've been burning to do, um, so let's just get to it. I mean, essentially, um, one funny thing about this episode is it's not very heavy metal or hard rock, although I am going to be mentioning a lot of bands uh, that are uh, hard rock and heavy metal, but my examples, per se, are not particularly in that field, but I am going to end with a with a classic heavy metal band, um, so, uh, so all shall be forgiven, I hope, uh, by the end of this. I might mention a few uh, honorable mentions myself. Um, All right, so we're going to do this one a little bit differently. I hope it doesn't go on too long. I probably will shorten up when it comes to the actual entries, but I have a little bit of a a long intro here. So I went to you, the fine listeners, um, and uh, and said, hey, give me some examples of this. And it's kind of funny. Uh, The examples started flowing in, and I'm going to read some of those in in a second. Um, But what I realized when I was reading these examples is I'm not too clear on what my concept is for this. I hope by the end of this episode, and when you hear uh, my examples, you're going to understand what has always been stuck in my brain for decades, essentially, about bands that are like this and why I think there are certain bands truly, truly, truly like this. So um, let's just get on with that. So I sent I sent off a, um, a Facebook uh, cry for help here. Uh, so what did I say here? So um, So here's a really cool concept that I'm at four at, but need one more, as I said. Bands of individuals, an ecosystem is created with a clear north, south, east, and west. It's an ecosystem that is not one world, but four fiefdoms that comprise a complex world. 
I've thought this for years about these four bands, but do you get my drift? Throw out a few band names, and if one of them just hits me like a lightning bolt, I'll know it. But I don't want to explain further or debate it. Let's save that for the episode. Only one of my choices is remotely a metal band. So that's what I wrote. Um, And yeah, just to explain a little more before I read some of these uh, entries. um, You know, the the idea here is that uh, these bands create... Almost like, um, you know, you think of a little snow globe that you shake up and there, there's the snowflakes in there. There's this enclosed world that is a weird world. But very importantly, this world is not one that ends up being kind of a unified sounding thing that a lot of other bands sound like. It It is a world unto itself. That's number one. But number two... It does have an east, uh, west, north, and south. I mean, it basically sounds like a world of individual players or fiefdoms that is making this up. So it doesn't sound like particularly like a unified whole. It sounds like a band or a record or a song that you listen to where you can't get the members themselves out of your head when you're listening to it. You don't think the band name, you think all of these original members jumbled up together at once. I think that explains it probably pretty well. But let me tell you um, quickly, and what I'm going to do here is I'm going to leave out the bands uh, that were suggested uh, that are actually uh, my choices anyways. And I'm just going to go through some of these and very quickly dispel the notion of why I didn't include them or how they they almost claim, came close. So, so we've got... Uh, Vanya Burek, I mentioned Led Zeppelin, Queen, Cream, and Rush. Okay, all of those are pretty close, but no cigar. Um, they had certain things about them that were almost too unified. Um, long story, uh, but those ones are are all pretty close. Uh, but uh, let's see. Jacob Tannehill said Sons of Apollo, Mr. Big Asia, any one of them fit the bill. And I actually almost thought Asia that I would include. Uh, but yeah, 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 I think he's getting the point here. Uh, Sons of Apollo, definitely, you know, the big, the big, uh, you know, important band members, Asia, super group. Um, the Police, New York Dolls, says Thomas Hackney. Also, The Pretenders. I, I would say no on The Pretenders. Uh, I would That wouldn't have come to mind. I wouldn't. New York Dolls wouldn't have come to mind. Police is one of my honorable mentions. So with that band, you know, you are thinking um, this, uh, this chicken scratch uh, sort of textured uh, guitar playing from Andy. You know, bass, I don't think you think of Sting so much of bass, but you think of that vocalist. And then also uh, with Stuart Copeland, you definitely get a unique drummer that is a distraction. I mean, you're thinking of him when you're hearing these police songs. So yes, that's a good example of what we're getting at here. Uh, Augustin Garcia de Paredes mentioned The Clash. I would say no. Um, I don't, it doesn't really fit the bill here. Thomas Hackney comes up with x eh, a little bit that's kind of a cool one um eagles blaze barshaw says no i wouldn't say so i'm gonna leave uh, well no i'm not gonna leave this one because i kicked them out um pat connor says fleetwood mac i actually was gonna include fleetwood mac but i couldn't see myself playing a fleetwood mac song <laughs> as one of our five choices here but definitely you get that yeah this is a perfect example and like i say i it was one of mine that was uh, on the at the top of my head so you get Basically, these three distinct vocalists, uh, all with their personalities and their baggage and their own, their, you know, solo albums, the whole bit. Um, Stevie Nicks, Christy Mc, Christine McVie, is that Christine? Yeah. Um, and uh, and Lindsey Buckingham, uh, all very distinct vocalists. 
and you also get, uh, you know, Mick Fleetwood is the is kind of the uh, the patriarch of the band, but you have to get this very stripped down drumming. Um, John McVie, I don't don't really think of him too much in this, but Lindsay as well. You think of a very distinct uh, sort of uh, I said chicken scratch already with Andy Summers. Chicken scratch makes a lot more sense with Lindsay. Uh, so again, you're listening to a Fleetwood Mac song or a few in a row, and you're thinking, oh, when's this vocalist gonna sing? Or that one? Or oh, they're they're doing this together. Um, and then and then Lindsay gives you this very stark guitar solo. Um, and and you get this very sort of straight line, B line kind of um feel to a lot of their songs. So that is a band when you're listening to them, I can't get the members individually out of their heads, hence bands of individuals. Okay. Uh Crosby Stills, Nash and Young, don't know enough about them. Beatles, no, I wouldn't say so. Um, Kiss, I wouldn't say so. Uh, because in the end you basically get this this band that sounds kind of like other bands. It's not it's not that big a deal, right? Um, Black Sabbath, I wouldn't say so. The Doors is kind of interesting. Interesting. I would kind of agree with the doors, um, but again, uh, with the doors, I kind of think more so of uh, keyboardists and uh, ki- you know, basically keyboards and vocals is what I think about with the doors. So, uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, Foghat, no. Genesis, too many members, too many different versions. I would say no. Faith, no more. Wouldn't say so. A little bit. Um, I can understand that. I'm going to leave that out because that is one of my choices. Way to go, Shannon Mahaffey. Uh, by the way, uh, who have we heard from here? Scott Carson, Colson Veer, Schumann Ong, Rick Friel. Um, let's see. Uh, Chris Cook mentions Kiss. Uh, Andrew Theo mentions Blue Oyster Cult. I wouldn't say so. Uh, Metallica, no, definitely not. Uh, says uh, Joe Becht. Uh, Jeb Wright, buddy of mine, comes in with... Uh, Floyd, eh, a little bit, a little bit. Wouldn't say so fully. Cheap Trick, no. Uh, what else? Deep Purple Mark II, uh, says Nick uh, or Molovich. I would say not really there. Steve McNary uh, mentions uh, one that I am going to use here, um, but he also mentions Judas Priest and Slayer and ACDC. I would say no. Um, so there you go. Andrew Theo mentions a few more, uh, you know, giving a little more uh, helpful definition. Four or five individuals, while we know they contribute bits and songs, they would have also to be writers. Uh, let's see. Uh, BOC, UFO. No, I wouldn't say so. So, yeah, it's funny. I read this and thought and had some concern that maybe I'm not getting the point that this doesn't really exist. But uh, after you hear my entries, hopefully you will agree that uh, they do exist. So thanks, everybody, for all those um all those contributions. So uh, let's get this started. So uh, yeah, that's the longest we've gone without a song in uh, in an episode of this. Uh, take a listen to this. This is our first one, and we shall discuss. This is The Who with The Punk and The Godfather from Quadrophenia, October 26, So this is the band that I think absolutely defines this idea. This is the band I've always had in my head every time I write a book or a review, and I would say, who-like. Uh, and it's because of, obviously, the who, but it is because of this idea. So what? So why is the who one of these? So when I play a who song, I, I hear the gaps between 
John Entwistle's very busy, very uh, top-heavy bass playing. Uh, you know, he's off basically soloing on his own quite often, these great bass lines. And then way over here, way over to the left, east-north, like I say, north-south-east-west, you hear Keith Moon doing kind of the same thing. He's playing along, he's playing the riff on the drums sometimes. You know, people say that he plays a little bit to, to what Pete does. But he's soloing, he's very distinct, he's this drummer that, um, you know, he's, he's like the star of the show in a lot of uh, Who songs. And I, this is my favorite Who album. And I, I like, you know, this song I picked as an example of all this going on. You've got this lead singer who's, who's, you know, a lot of people think he's the most important guy in the band. He's the lead singer. Well, he's not the most important guy in the band because he's not writing the songs. But he has this big voice, this big mane of curly blonde hair. He's a distinctive guy. He's shouting up there. Uh, you can't ignore him either. And then we've got Pete Townsend, who... One of my favorite guys of all time when it comes to rockers, the creativity, um, very distinct guitar sound. Um, uh, again, a very, very thin and twee, and he makes a lot of noises, but he, he plays acoustic guitar. Um, he does synthesizers, right? Um, but, but he plays electric in a very distinct way where you notice what he's doing. And then on many Who songs, he's singing. So... This is the band, like I say, is the definition of this idea of bands of individuals. Uh, it's it's the band that truly defines it, you know, way further in every extreme that I could possibly imagine. I don't see Who songs coming out as this one thing, this one sound. I truly see it as a snow globe of four fiefdoms. All right, moving on. Uh, take a listen to this. Uh, yeah, you're really getting some stuff here that you don't normally get on these episodes. Um, take a listen to this. This is Yes with Parallels from my favorite Yes album, Going for the One, July 15th, Right, so Yes to me is the most Who-like of all the prog bands. Uh, I, I truly believe, that, okay, I, I picked something of the uh, sort of the classic lineup because uh, it is the one with the strongest uh, personalities and the strongest examples of this. Into the Trevor Rabin era, I don't feel this applies as much, but... You get this super important guy, uh, John Anderson, writing lyrics with this crazy high voice. He's kind of the leader of the band. He looks like a twee little hippie, but he's cracking the whip with these guys. He's basically a pretty fierce and strong personality. He His personality does not match that innocent little, uh, you know, choir boy voice of his. Um, so he's important, and he brings this this weird, you know, Eastern mystical philosophy to everything he's doing. So he's bringing, uh, like I say, a philosophy, a baggage to the band, uh, like, like a whole, you know, treatise of dusty texts um, to what he does in the band. Um, again, uh, you got Chris Squire, uh, who's basically the prog version of a... Um, John Entwistle. And what you're going to notice in all of these, to make this concept happen, every one of these bands I picked has a strong, distinct bassist in it. So there's a clue uh, as to who's coming. So um, 
Rick Wakeman, you've, you've got this, um, this force of nature who has something, I don't know, he's got like a hundred albums out. So not only is he just the keyboardist in this band, he's, he's got this visual with the, with the long robes and the, and the long hair. He's the funny man. He's the talker. Um, you know, he's had his radio show and stuff, but he's also a super, super important member of the band. And he uh, he's known for these these big swoopy synthesizers and and in this one you hear sort of the uh, the church uh, organ sound that he does as well. So again, crazy important guy in the band, even though he's only the keyboardist. Alan White doesn't quite fit this very much. I don't think Alan has a you know a particular style that you pull out and you hear totally. So so he's maybe um, you know God love him. I love the guy. You know he's he's obviously the the yes drummer of you know of choice basically on almost everything. Um, but he no he doesn't he did you you don't you don't listen to this and you're not distracted by the drumming and say wow that's a that's a certain drummer that we know that drummer, um, and uh, and then uh, finally you've got Steve Howe uh, you don't hear what Steve is kind of known for the most on here Steve is kind of that wiry guitarist there's a little bit of that you hear in here but again Steve has a very distinct style and you hear it across lots of the Yes material so again even though this is five guys making a lot of noise it's five guys making a lot of noise that sounds like a progressive version of the who all right so let's take a short break and we shall be right back all right moving on here history and five songs with martin popoff this is episode 47 bands of individuals here's another real left field choice nobody mentioned this one granted you know when you go on to my facebook page uh for this you know our our tribe is is kind of thinking in hard rock heavy metal terms so i've, I've kind of thrown you a curveball here uh and this is uh the biggest of all curveballs take a listen to this this is the stranglers with nice and sleazy <laughs> We came across the West Sea We didn't have much idea Of the kind of climate waiting We used our hands for guidance Like the children of a preacher Like a dry tree seeking water Or a daughter Nice and sleazy Nice and sleazy does it All right, so I consider the Stranglers almost like the uh, the Who of post punk. Um, you know, Magazine to me is the Pink Floyd of post punk. There really aren't too many bands that I would think of as the Who of punk, although the Damned would fit that, and I almost picked the Damned here. But there are certain things about the Damned I think that fall down, possibly in the guitar thing and all the changing of the members. Uh, so it doesn't have this thing, this through line throughout all the catalog. But the Stranglers. Uh, totally fit this to me. Uh, basically, what you hear in here is you hear uh, that this crazy weave of these geometric w- rhythms. So you've got Jet Black with his sort of, um, you know, deceptively simple but odd time signatures and stuff uh, at, at the drum end of things. You hear Dave Greenfield. I want to dedicate this uh, episode to uh, dear Dave. Um, Dave just uh, recently died. Um, he's the keyboardist in the band. The band uh, just revered him as a as a pioneer. He comes up with all these crazy synthesizer sounds and uh, and really innovative keyboard lines that are super up and prominent in what's going on um, you've got a you've got a vocalist in in um, Hugh Cornwell here who has a very distinct low voice um, so that's pretty interesting and then you also have uh, again, a very, very strong bassist in uh, Jean-Jacques Burnell, and you hear that on here. So you get that really stun, uh, really toppy um, uh, Chris Squire, Geddy Lee, uh, Lemmy, 
um, John Entwistle bass on here. So again, Stranglers, what do you get? I mean, this is a perfect example. I wanted to pick this. This is a perfect example of, again, the snow globe where you, where, you know, you look off in that corner. There's, there's Hugh. You look off in that corner. There's Jet. You look off Dave, JJ. Um, so you don't get a unified sound. You get a bunch of things that weave together that create a very, very odd world. The Strangler have been so good at, at keeping together throughout all this whole career. Obviously, they had the big falling out with with Hugh uh, and it's Baz Warren, uh, you know, big big bald uh, big bald guy, uh, lead singing and and playing guitar very very ably and making uh, the Stranglers like a totally valid, very cool act. And they've stuck to uh, more or less. Uh, this sound, this strange world that they created uh, kind of on their own. All right, so moving on, uh, number four, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Take a listen to this. Uh, another real left field thing. Um, Shannon, uh, you absolutely nailed it. You knew I would pick this. Um, you can read my mind. Take a listen. This is King Crimson with The Howler from Beat, my favorite of the uh, the three records in a row here, um, June 18th, 1982. Yeah. All right, so I love this era of King Crimson. I've said before, I think I've even said it on this podcast, I would love to write a book even just on these three albums. You get the red one, Discipline. Uh, This is is the rejuvenated, reformed King Crimson for the 80s. So you get Discipline, the red one, Beat, the blue one, and then you get three of a perfect pair, uh, the yellow one, and that's it. And then they kind of move on, and it gets... Yeah, it's a long story. It gets to be a mess. Too much instrumental, too much noise, uh, EPs, long albums spread apart. We don't get enough songs uh, for the rest of the catalog. It kind of annoys me. I'm not I'm not a big fan of the modern King Crimson, although I saw them live and it blew me away with the three drummers and all that stuff. Crazy, crazy chops. Uh, but anyways... Beat is my favorite of these, so I wanted to pick one from Beat. And again, uh, this is the perfect example of a band that is just like four very distinct, disparate parts coming together, uh, but not two together, um, to make a a world, an environment, an ecosystem. So you've got um, Bill Bruford, super distinct drummer. He was uh, the early Yes drummer, of course. Um, but you know, with Bill, you get this very cool, fluid, melodic sound. He he loves his uh, his tom toms, big floypy tom tom sound. Um, but really cool, distinct drummer. Love the guy. Um, you get Robert Fripp, super. Um, you know, distinct guitarist in what he does. He's known for the looping and then also this sort of synthesized sound that he does and kind of really atonal things. So he's got a few things in his chest, but you um, but you always know it's him when he does this. He's done some amazing, amazing solo albums, exposure, and great, great stuff on the Peter Gabriel albums. Uh, you get Adrian Blue, probably my favorite rocker of all time. Um, love what he does, but again, uh, he's, the, he's the only lyricist in the band. And he's got a, I mean, sorry, only vocalist in the band, probably the, the guy writing all the lyrics as well, um, but only vocalist in the band. And he does all these, um, you know, he has a very distinct sound uh, in his voice. But again, he's in there supercharging the band with another completely distinct um, guitar sound. So he's known 
to be the guy who likes creating, uh, you know, animal noises and almost comedic sounds on the guitar. Basically, he's kind of a noisenick, a noisemaker. He comes up with these these crazy, uh, crazy sounds uh, that sounds like the jungle, basically. Um, so he's that guy in the band. And then you've got Tony Levin, uh, one of the most distinct uh, bassists of uh, of prog rock of the era. He's the guy known for the Chapman stick, you know, bald guy mustache, uh, you know, that knee pad thing going. Um, he's got the Chapman stick. You've seen him with the upright bass, you know, on the on the little pointy thing, uh, and the funk fingers where he can play. Uh, you know he can he can hit the bass strings with these sort of uh, stylized drumsticks on the end of his fingers, but he's also known uh, you know for his great fretless uh, licks, and uh, and you hear that uh, on on these albums as well. I mean check him out on on you know the classic Peter Gabriel material as well, right? Um, but yeah, so so there you go. Um, King Crimson, another one of these bands of individuals. It, you know, a weird, weird world is created. But when I'm playing this band, all I can think of is all those individual members and their super strong personalities. All right, moving on to our last one. Um, I promised I would uh, take us back to heavy metal and pick a heavy metal band. And uh, this is a band that is uh, heavy, heavy on my mind because I'm finishing up the third of a trilogy of books on them. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Iron Maiden with The Ghost of the Navigator. All right, so this is from Brave New World, May 29th, 2000. Um, you know, Maiden is a band that I've I've basically come to the conclusion that they are very Who-like. Um, and again, uh, you know, the, the reasons this sort of comes out, this is a funny one because uh, I, I do not feel this at all in the guitar world uh, with the band. Dave versus Adrian versus Yannick. Barely can tell them apart. They think so much alike, and they do so much alike, and then they do those weaves together where they're cooperating anyways. Um, I really don't see a huge difference in the guitar thing that they do, and I don't really feel that there's a distinct guitar thing they do other than, you know, the very celebrated thing, which is which is those uh, harmony leads that they do. So that's, that's the cool thing from Maiden. But that is an important thing, and it does uh, contribute to the Who-like aspect of this band. Again strong basis. So this is all this is a theme right throughout all of these five here. Steve is a super important part of this band. I wanted to pick a song that has that toppy bass on it, but as time goes on, uh, or as Paul Diano calls it, clacky bass, as time goes on, he doesn't actually uh, do this so much. He'll come back to us with a little bit of a uh, of a regular um, bass sound on, on some of the later material, which is kind of cool. Um, but no, I wanted to pick something that had this sort of sound. Uh, and also, Steve is uh, is known as the leader of the band, and he's also known as uh, the chief lyricist of the band, splitting things roughly 60-40, would you say, with Bruce? 65-35, that kind of thing. Um, 
but uh, but no, uh, so that's that's kind of important. And then you do have a vocalist that you can't get out of your mind when he's when he's singing. I mean, this is a strong, strong personality, just a just a dynamo of energy and a super unique sound. Um, uh, yeah, actually, forgetting one and also very important, Nico McBrain on drums. You know, essentially, he does remind me of Keith Moon. He's got that same kind of uh, kind of uh, I don't know loony personality to him. He's obviously a lot more grounded than. Keith Moon was, but but he does have that that kind of goofy English humor to him. Um, but he also plays somewhat Keith Moon like. He's a little traditional in what he does with his fills, but um, but he likes to hit a lot of things and he plays with a lot of energy. And there's a there's a lot of you know innovative things that he has to get up to. Uh, you know, forced into it almost by the you know the different time signatures and all these long instrumental passages uh, that you get out of uh, out of Nico. But and there's a lot of there's a lot of maiden songs where you really do feel that whoness going on this this chemistry between the bands that's, that's a word i haven't mentioned here there's a chemistry that goes on that's this firing back and forth between all these distinctive players so so yeah i've i've basically come to the conclusion after you know writing these three iron maiden books and i had two before this as well but this is this is the trilogy that's sort of the redo of long story out of print stuff basically turning this into normal books we had where eagles dare holy smoke which is out of print and the next one's going to be called uh empire of the clouds i still have some uh, where eagles dare um and probably i might put holy smoke back into print when i put out uh, empire of the clouds anyways there is i've noticed across all of this even the later days material they they essentially settled into a sound that is all theirs nobody can copy them nobody dares copy them um, but is, you know, they are an ecosystem unto themselves, one made up of these personalities. Um, you know, the, the first bunch of albums, I don't feel that about, they're all different from each other, but they basically settle in on peace of mind. And then, you know, quite frankly, make more or less the same record all the way through with, uh, with minor variations. They basically do have a sound. It is their sound and that's what they do. Um, all right, so that's it. Those are our five, uh, five here on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Hope you like that. Bands of individuals. Um, I just wanted to mention a couple of uh, of honorable mentions um, that I thought also kind of fit this idea, and people had pointed out. Um, well, actually, there, there's really only two that I haven't mentioned that I do want to mention. I almost put Van Halen in here. I do feel that they kind of belong in this thing. I've often described Van Halen as who like. They've obviously got the same configuration: four guys. One of them is a front man. Right, so three, you know, three instrumentalists. Um, interestingly enough, the guitar player got into keyboards like Pete Townsend. Um, but you do, you do hear very distinct guitar all the time. You, you can't get that drummer out of your mind. Bass is a little bit of a different story. I don't think Mikey really has a, you know, a specific bass sound, and sometimes it's Eddie playing, anyways. Um, and then you've got a strong vocalist up top with a big personality, whether it's David Lee Roth or uh, or Sammy Hager right uh or gary sharon actually there's you know we, we just put up a, a a side episode of our contrarians uh youtube show uh we did our first episode on van halen three um that's what, what do we call it uh 
the worst the worst album edition so we we basically debate the worst album of a band of the goods and bads of it or whatever mostly bad of course um so yeah so there you go there are some uh honorable mentions that I, oh actually yeah, one more gillen uh gillen is a band that i always think about all the time because i love them so much uh one of my favorite bands of all time but gillen to me is the doors of heavy metal or the punk version of heavy metal or the post-punk version of heavy metal you can't get that keyboardist Colin Towns out of your mind. Ian Gillen is obviously the leader of the band. Um, John McCoy has that stun bass that he does, that same toppy distorted bass. Um, Mick Underwood, uh, really cool. Uh, hang on, Mick Underwood, Mick Fleetwood. Sorry, Mick. Uh, anyways, um, very distinct uh, drummer as well. Kind of, kind of like noisy, a lot of energy, a lot of snare work out of him. And then, um, you know, when Yannick was in the band, I wouldn't say there was a distinctness to the guitar thing, but definitely Bernie Torme had a distinct kind of punky, snarly Hanoi Rocks attitude to what he was doing. So, yeah, again, um, you did get kind of a world created this strange, strange Gillen sound that you could hear the separate parts. So there you go. I know I've driven this point home completely uh, because we had our five and we probably talked about a good eight or nine more in a fair bit of detail. Let's wrap it up there. That was it. Uh, Band of Individuals, episode 47. Go to the Facebook page uh, for this. Um, you know, comment. Let me know what you think. Um, for all your book needs, you can go to martinpopoff.com. Um, everything is there with PayPal buttons. Um, the Rush book is selling really well. This is uh, Anthem Rush in the 70s. There's going to be Limelight Rush in the 80s and uh, uh, Driven. Uh, Rush in the 90s and in the end uh, later on. Um, but The Merciful Fate... I ran out, but I am uh, going to do a small reprint of that. And like I say, the the Maiden is available. The Priests are available. Basically, anything that's in print, uh, I have copies of uh, there. And I will be getting copies of my new uh, Blue Oyster Cult, a visual biography. Those are on their way over here from the UK. I will be signing and selling those as well. Let's wrap it up there. Thanks again for listening. Um, Hear you again next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.